What's up, Action Flicks fanatics? This is John Jerva coming back at you with another edition of the Action Fix podcast. This is episode number four. I've been getting a phenomenal response since I started this up. I've uh, been doing a lot of interviews for it. I've done three so far. The first interview I did for the podcast was uh, for Deck Collectors, and I interviewed both director Jesse V. Johnson and star Scott Atkins for that one. So that was a good time, so make sure you check that out. And then also I was able to interview both the star and director of the new sequel, I Am Vengeance Retaliation, uh, Stu Bennett and director Ross Boyes. Both of those interviews are also up on the Fix podcast and also on my website, so make sure you check them out. And uh, we got another special interview for you today. We have the sniper himself chad michael collins for you chad as you know plays marine sniper special ops sniper brandon beckett and he took over the reins of the sniper franchise from tom berenger who starred in the original three sniper films chad of course starred in first sniper reloaded then he went on to do sniper legacy sniper uh ghost shooter sniper ultimate kill and now we have the newest entry in the franchise sniper assassin's end this time Chad teams up once again with Tom. Uh, the two play once again father and son, and they hook up as Brandon becomes embroiled in a conspiracy where he is framed for the murder of a high-profile politician. So the film takes a little bit of a different direction, does a little bit of a di- different take on it. My review is up now on the website, and now we have the star himself, Chad Michael Collins, for you on this edition of the Action Fix Podcast. We talk about the new movie, of course, and also the other films that he starred in. We also talk a bunch of other stuff. Uh, we even throw in a little Star Wars for you here uh, on on uh, podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my exclusive interview with star Chad Michael Collins. Okay, so now let's let's talk about. Uh... First things first, um, you said you were doing the charity streaming thing. Now, let's talk a little Call of Duty Modern Warfare before we get into Sniper. Is that okay? Please. All right. How, how did that all come about? So so let's talk about how, how you got involved in uh, doing motion capture and uh, being a spec ops warrior in a video game. <laughs> it's been a fun ride, man. Call, the Call of Duty Modern Warfare job was it's one of the best gigs I've ever had, and it just, it just keeps going, and I hope we, we continue to do more. But uh, that came as just a regular audition, like a TV and film, you know, agent audition. I went in and uh, I knew it was for a video game. I didn't know it was even for Call of Duty, let alone being Modern Warfare specifically. So I went in, I I did the scenes, I worked with the the awesome narrative director, Taylor Kurosaki and Brian Bloom, the writer who's also an accomplished actor and voiceover actor too. And out of probably the hundreds of people they met, I walked away with the, the role of Alex, Echo 3 1. So that was um, really, really fun. And we didn't find out it was Call of Duty Modern Warfare until the first day we're on set about to start filming. So it's a really, really nice surprise because I'm a fan of the franchise and I played all the original uh, Modern Warfare, the, the, the trilogy that is so popular. So it was, it was um, it's kind of a bucket list item for me for sure. Absolutely. Now, how was it? Like, what, was it was it like filming a movie? Like, I mean, I know you guys have all the like whatever they use on you guys, like to do the whole thing. So, so was it like doing a movie, or was was it like a totally different experience for you? Totally different experience. You know, on a movie set, we're either uh, inside a building in some location, or a soundstage, or we're out, you know, mixing it up on an outdoor location. A couple of cameras. You know, you start with your wide shot, then you go into your medium lenses, then you get your close-ups, then we move on to the next scene. 
Uh, mocap is totally different, and this was a full performance capture, motion capture, face capture, voiceover capture performance. It was, you know, this Alex character is being, and uh, I am him, you know, except they gave me a really sweet digital mustache, which I right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, everything that you see from these behind-the-scenes photos, you know, we had the dots all over our faces. We were in, you know, the all-black spandex uh, outfits with the, the glowing kind of magnetic balls that the computer programs pick up when you move around. We were on a soundstage that had about 75 360-degree cameras that were capturing every movement from every angle. And, uh, and then, of course, the microphones and the face camera that comes off the helmet that's always getting that close-up of you. So it was more like theater in that way. You know, we had to be very conscious of knowing our lines, having them work perfect, hitting our marks exactly, uh, because there's no editing that stuff. It is between action and cut. That's what they use. So it was really, really uh, an interesting experience in that way. And then it felt like theater in the way that you had to be work perfect and move, but also it felt like film, you know, always recording that close-up of you. Uh, every little micro expression that you make with that that high def helmet cam that we wear, so it was very unique and very very cool, and uh, like I said before, one of the best experiences I've ever had filming. Now, now you mentioned uh, now. Now, are you going to do it again? Are, are, like, are you going to do other installments of the same game, or, or do other games? Or? I hope so. We never know. You know, it's it's funny, and not to just completely cliche a, a soldier saying, but you know, we're on a need to know basis. Right. <laughs> so, we get the call, it's above my pay grade. Um, we get the call when they're ready to rock and we don't always have that much advance notice on this sort of stuff, so the call is always a really nice surprise. Um, I expect with the success of Modern Warfare, which was, I mean, Modern Warfare came out last October, like 25th. Right. And in just the two months it was out, it became the best-selling video game of all 2019. It's currently the best-selling video game of 2020. There's over 65 million players right. around the globe. I can't imagine we wouldn't do more, but at the same time, uh, that's up to the brass, you know, Activision and, and everything else. Absolutely. Well, that's cool. Okay, good. Now, let's get into Sniper. Now, obviously, um, uh, from my website, this this is the franchise that I've been promoting for you the most. I, although, uh, High Moon, I, I did a lot of promotion for you, too. I, I really enjoyed that one, too. We inter- I did an interview with you for that one, too. Now, actually, this is number four for the website, so you're, yep. you're, you're, so you're like in an upper class because you're like <laughs> right up there with Scott Atkins because you're, you're, I, I would never have dreamed that I, well, one, interview the first time, but now this is number four that we're, that, that we're doing this, so this is pretty surreal for me. I love it, man. You know, I, I hopefully me and Scott Atkins go neck and neck for from here on out, vying for your attention. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, absolutely. Now, real quick, I know that the audience won't be able to see this at home, but um, I, I, I went out shopping today, and, and, and I and I picked this up. This is this was only at Walmart. All eight movies, all in one collection, plus digital. <laughs> so, yeah. So I so I had to pick it up. I mean, I have I already had a few of them already, you know, but. I, this, this was too good to pass up, so I just wanted to show you that I'm doing my part to help promote. And uh, well, I love it. That's why we're good friends, man. I've always appreciated your support over the years. And you know, for those that aren't going to be able to see it, he held up the Sniper Ultimate Collection, which is yes. the eight movie box set of all of our Sony Sniper films, which is available right now exclusively at Walmart. Right now, um, let's go back. Let, let's do a little time traveling. Let's go back in time to Reload It. Now, when when you first did Reload It, did, did you think that like you would be like five movies later playing playing, playing Brandon Beckett. I mean, we wrap one movie 
end of the ride. You know, what a fun ride. I just never know. You know, you, know, you can never know the, the plans, you know, the Wizard of Oz, what goes on behind the curtain at Sony. And, um, you know, it was three years in between Sniper Ultimate Kill, which came out 2017, and then now the release of Sniper Assassin's End. And that three years was the longest we've ever gone between filming one in the, in the past 10 years. That I've I got worried. I, I was getting worried there for yeah. a little bit. I was like, what the hell, man? It's like, I need another one. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, you always hope that if they're going to end the franchise, they do it in a way where you get to really say goodbye properly, right? Like, it's planned in the movie and everything else. Uh, but I was really, really happy to get this call. Um, yeah, but yeah, to answer your original question, I I had no idea. I was just grateful for that first opportunity to, to do Sniper Reloaded. You know, the, the franchise had been shelved for like eight to ten years. Right. You know, with Tom Berenger doing the first three movies. And so I think it was just a big experiment for them to see if, like, hey, does this thing have legs? Can we reboot this in a really fun way that captures audiences again? And I guess the answer was yes, because 10 years later, we're on movie number eight. So I'm always grateful for every single one, and I, I hope the, the train keeps rolling. Absolutely. Now, let's go into, uh, now, this is, uh, obviously, Sniper Assassin's End just came out this week, and now this is the third time you got to start with the original Sniper Tom Berenger. You also did three with Billy Zane, so now you got three and three with both guys. So talk a little bit about first working with Billy Zane, because Billy Zane's the first one you worked with on Reloaded, so you got to, you got to work with him first, and then you did the other two films with him. So talk a little bit about Billy first. Uh, I can't say enough good things about Billy. I love Billy. We've become pretty good friends as a result of doing several movies together. Um, Sniper Ultimate Kill was such a magical experience because that brought Tom and Billy back into the fold together for the first time since the original like 92, 93. Um, so that was really, really special in, in having them reconnect and, and get back back in action together. Uh, but Billy's great. He's he's a charmer, he's funny, and he's fun to work with. And he's obviously just such a talented, world-class actor that uh, there's never a boring day with Billy Zane on set. <laughs> and I, really, yeah. I really love seeing when, when he gets to come back and be in one of these movies because I know it's going to be a good time. And uh, it's going to turn out well. He brings so much... He brings so much fun and charm and, and even a goofball quality at times to our movies. And I think you might as well have fun. It's an action movie, right? You know you're going to have fun with the action. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You might as well have the entertainment at all levels, right? Billy's just a master at that. Absolutely. Now, let's let, let's real quick talk with and talk about Tom Berger. Now, he seems kind of like, like you know, like he doesn't do, I, I, don't, I haven't seen him in a lot of interviews. Like, I haven't seen him, like, around, like, he seems kind of like a private guy. Like, how, how is he to be around? Uh, I love Tom, and Tom is, you know, he's a classic actor's actor, you know, right. through New York City and theater, and, I mean, look at the guy's resume and his Emmy Awards and his nominations, it's like, this guy has just put out great work his whole career, and as an actor who's always looking to try and get better, you know, you're a fool if you don't pick Tom Berenger's brains and you don't listen to his stories and, you know, study his, his work, you know, in other movies that he's in, I mean, Platoon, and Major League, right? The guy's done it all. He's done it all over the place. The Big Chill. I just went back and watched that for the first time last year, and was so impressed. So I, I love working with Tom. I can listen to his stories for hours because he's got just a full body of work. And uh, working with him on set is, is really great, you know. And, and in Sniper Assassin's End, you know, you just watched it. Uh, there's some really nice father son moments, you know. It it really kind of starts to explore in a new way. You know how Brandon and Thomas come together, even though he was an absent father and he was, you know, married to the job of soldiering for so long. How do we navigate that? At times, it's, it 
it's touching, right? At other times, it's a little awkward. Right. And trying to, you know, be friends, but then there's also the family thing. So um, I, I love where that we took it, Sniper Assassins, and I think fans of the old will really appreciate that, and if fans of the new will get a taste of um, of a new dynamic between father and son. Absolutely. Now, okay. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get real with you here for a minute. Now I did have an issue with this movie. I have one issue with the movie, and of course, when I do my review, it's gonna it's gonna be awesome because I, I love the movie. But okay, and I've had this problem because it kind of has the plot line like like the the recent Angel has fallen with uh, Gerard Butler and the Fugitive. How can one guy like gets done so much for the country and has saved like countless lives, and then all of a sudden everybody thinks that he like just went crazy and ate shit and just like like oh, it's, it's like it's like it, it's like how, how does that happen? It's like it's like that's like total disrespect. You know, it's 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 funny because I remember having a conversation with our wonderful director Kari Andrews, who's a super accomplished comic book writer and artist in his own right and a, a talented film and television director i remember talking to him about this scene and without trying to spoil too much for your audience right uh, this is a uh, you're right it's like the fugitive you know brandon has to go on the run he's being hunted um by by lady death you know yes or assassin assassin's end and then also by agents of the government who think that you know in this conspiracy to frame him they actually think that there's probably something to it, and they, you know, they, they arrest first, and maybe they'll ask questions later. So of course, Brandon, fearing her for his life, goes on the run. And you know, I, talking with Kari, obviously Brandon has seen some things. He's done some things. He's been all around the world chasing down big bads and, and making the world a safer place to live. I remember having a conversation about one of the opening scenes where Brandon is, you know, basically wrongfully accused and brought into the feds and handcuffed to a chair, right. questioned by a hard-charging suit in the FBI, and I said, Kari, you know, I think that, that Brandon is not even going to be rattled. He'll talk to this guy, and he'll, he'll learn more from him than this guy is going to learn more about Brandon. And the calm, cool, collected way to go there is because he's, been, he's, he's, he's done more than this guy has ever seen sitting behind a desk. Right. So, um, you know, I don't think Brandon is ever going to be nervous, you know, whether it's from a shootout or from an interrogation from the FBI being wrongfully accused. So it's, it's nice to have an extra wrinkle to Brandon uh, taking him across so many different movies because you, you kind of know in those situations the guy is calm, cool, confident, and that comes from experience. So, you know, on one hand, the suit's just looking to, you know, maybe get a promotion. On the other hand, Brandon needs to unravel a bigger mystery, and he has allies in that too, which is nice. Right, absolutely. Now let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the the people in this one. Now, another thing I liked about Assassins End is it, it introduces some cool characters. You just uh, mentioned Lady Death. Uh, now I don't know if I'm going to put your name, but Sayaka Akimoto. Got it, man. Sayaka Akimoto. She's our female lead. Yeah, uh, so so talk about her a little bit, because she was just badass. I mean, you guys have a, a pretty elaborate fight sequence in, in the film that was pretty much the highlight of the movie. Um, now, here, here's another thing I want to talk to you about. Now, like, like with that and with her attitude, I think it kind of brought, like, a Hong Kong flair flair to the franchise. Like, it kind of kind of, like, stepped into that boundary a little bit. So, so talk about that and specifically her and doing that fight scene. Yeah, I, that's I. It's also my favorite scene from the movie, and um, 
Japanese pop star and actress, and she right. um, came over to play Lady Death, a Yakuza-trained uh, assassin, assassin that is hunting down Brandon, and uh, you know set up this, this this frame of job in place. Um, she was a gamer, and I have worked on enough of these sniper movies to know that they aren't easy shoots. We don't have a lot of days, and we've got to get through that script quickly, and we have to, you know, obviously stay within budgets and stay within a limited amount of days, but it's hard work. Action movies are hard work, and I'm sure Scott Adams can tell you because he's fantastic with the stuff that he does, but you don't walk away uns- unscathed, unscarred. No, absolutely not. There's a lot of bumps, bruises, cuts, injuries. Uh, it is hard work. The fight choreography is a really, really, really uh, magical dance that can go horribly awry if you're not prepared. So Sayaka, I can't say enough about her. She was a gamer. She wanted to learn as much as she could. We spent probably a good 15 to 20 hours off set in a dojo rehearsing all those fight scenes. Um, rehearsing, rehearsing, rehearsing just to get it right. And it, 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 it kind of culminates in the scene you're talking about for the audiences. It culminates in this beautiful mossy green forest in Vancouver. And I'm kind of in white and she's all in her black kind of leather assassin gear, and then we square off in the middle of these woods, and we just go after it. You know, she pulls out some, like you said, some really Hong Kong martial arts weapons that you haven't seen before. It's, you know, fists, it's feet, it's a little bit of like MMA, and like wrestling on the ground, and arm bars. Um, There's all sorts of crazy stuff in that fight sequence, and I, I just, I loved how it turned out, and she was such a gamer that, you know, we knew it forward and backward, and you know, we didn't have to rely on our stunt doubles that much, which was a, a real testament to her commitment to everything. Absolutely. Now let's talk about Ryan Robbins. Uh, he joins uh, the movie. He plays Zero in the movie, and I thought he was a cool character. Like, I'd like to see a little bit more of him, like in the future. So, so talk a little bit about him and and uh, and uh, what he did for the movie. Yeah, you know, we we uh, Billy Zane is not in this one, um, and of course we we miss him and uh, his his great Thomas Miller. Uh, uh, Richard Miller character, excuse me. Right. Um, so Ryan Robbins, who's a phenomenal actor and, a, and an all-around great guy, he stepped in and originated a new role for us. Uh, this uh, agent called Zero. He's a bit of a mystery. Right. But um, um, so he's kind of got this side plot thing where he's trying to unravel the thing that smells fishy, which is Brandon Beckett just going off and taking out a politician in South America. Like nothing adds up for him, but he needs to prove it. So he's fun because in the way that Billy has always shown up and been charming and a bit of a goofball and leading to some humor, you know, Zero was kind of written that way in moments. And Kari let Ryan play with that sort of stuff. And I just think it, it worked to such great effect because Brandon, if Brandon is Captain America, then someone has got to be Iron Man, Tony Stark. They right. have to be the fun one, sarcastic. You, know, you have to have that dynamic. You can't have two wacky guys running around making jokes all the time because now it's a funny comedy. And that's how we're making, right? So I thought he did a phenomenal job of adding some extra grit, toughness, some interesting stuff about his character, and also some humor that the audiences are are really going to enjoy. Absolutely. Now let's go back uh, to to the action, because obviously, you know, I do run an action website, so I talk a lot about about that type of stuff. Now, actually, the the first action sequence, or like involving you, I I thought was pretty cool, too, where you get ambushed, like where they're transporting you, and uh, the bad guys show up. And what I thought was really cool, and like, this is what I, again, this is my interpretation of it because I'm such an action film moment and an Asian cinema film moment, and I've already talked about the Hong Kong thing. But, like, not to spoil it, but like, 
like because it's in the trailer, but like you, you, you grab the double guns and you know, and you, and you take out the bad guys. But then, then it like does the slow motion thing where you like breathe in slow motion, and I got kind of a John Woo vibe with that, you know, because that's that's kind of like what you saw in his type of movies. So I think that's uh, a real big testament to Kari Andrews, you know, re, really coming aboard and reinvigorating this this franchise in a way that he just brought a different style, and you you haven't seen this kind of style. And you're right, it feels a little bit like John Wick at moments. It feels a little bit like a Kung Fu movie here and there, the way that he shot it and the, the stuff he wanted to really, really do there. John Woo movie, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and I love those touches. I love those flourishes. I really feel like it kind of brings us more into the modern action movie landscape uh, rather than just relying on that like super close-up of the behind-the-scope kind of thing. You know, that's going to be there too, right? It's a sniper movie. It's called Sniper. Right. So that's always going to be there, right? But the way right. you know, those extra little touches and flourishes and those influences creep in, I think it just it, it, it made for a totally different style movie that people are really going to dig. Right. So yeah, but like just real quick to talk about the scene again. So so like like because I like how like like when you grab the guns and then you shoot them, the camera like it, it switches angles and you see from far away like the guys drop, you know, then it cuts back to you. And and like I said, I just thought. I mean, the fight was good, but I, I just thought that that was the coolest part. At least Brandon Beckett-wise, for me in the movie, was when it cut the slow motion and like you, you did that breathing, like you did that perfectly. Hey, man, if they want to make more hero moments like that, I'm never going to fight them. Right, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> now, um, real quick, now, like I said, this is your fifth sniper movie. Now, you've, you've, you've done a lot of traveling, obviously. You've done a lot of on-set on location and stuff like that. Um, Talk about your experience. Like, what out of all the movies? What What do you think is like? I mean, I know I don't know if this is a hard question, but like, like, what is one of your best experiences from doing all of these movies? Um, I'll tell you what. We've shot uh, this one, like I alluded to before. We shot in Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, Canada. I love that city. I love that area. I love Canadians. Just the nicest people. They're, they're phenomenal to work with as well. Um, it felt different because this was the first sniper movie that I wasn't traveling somewhere very abroad um, Sniper Ultimate Kill was Bogota, Colombia, the first right. one reloaded that was South Africa in and around Johannesburg um, Legacy and Ghost Shooter were done in Bulgaria primarily with splashes into Greece and Turkey and um, I I mean what a, what a blessing to be able to travel the world you know as a result of these movies and I, I'm so grateful for those opportunities but I was I was really relieved to go to Vancouver, you know? It's just like, it's sure, nice. Right. Yeah, it, like it felt, you know, Canada is an extension of, of, of the U.S. in a lot of ways, and it just felt nice, you know? It, it felt nice to have some of those creature comforts and and things like that, and even that was a, was a different experience. So, yeah, I think the one thing I have taken away from all these movies is, you know, I'm more well-traveled, more well-rounded. I've seen the world. I've met people. I've, I've, I've learned pieces of new languages and understood new cultures and that is kind of true of what a soldier would go through you know whether they're deployed to Afghanistan the Middle East or whether they came up on a military base in Germany you know they are exposed to different parts of the world and its people and I think it gives them a profound appreciation for that and uh, and, uh, and I just think that's one of the, the best gifts that this franchise has given me on top of you know the actual acting absolutely now, also, obviously, you know, you're playing a Marine sniper. Now, now talk about how, how, how for you it is to, to honor the men and women that fight for our country to, to do this and, and show it in such a positive light. 
day, we have to make a movie that looks good for what the camera sees. So we're not always going to be technically perfect. Right. We strive to represent them, you know, with class and dignity and honor as much as we can. You know, with our technical advisors and everything else. You know, we 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 make mistakes, and we've been called out for them before. Um, you know, I, I think if you gave us two hundred million dollars to make a military action movie, and we still made mistakes, I'm like, I think you can really pick a bone. Okay. Now here's the here's the thing. Wait, let me just interrupt for a second. Now that that's part right. of my technique because I'm a big military action lover. Right. Film lover. Now a lot of times I get criti- like I hear criticism like, oh, this one, this wasn't like that. This was and you just said it. You can't do it a hundred percent all the time, like for real, because they can't show everything that they. Right. I mean, but for the most part, like, I mean, you, I mean, you guys got the moves that, I mean, like, you, you've done the training and stuff like that, but it, it just irks me when people say, like, you know, this wasn't done correctly, or this guy was wearing this, I'm like, yeah. I mean, it, it's not like they're being disrespectful, I mean, it's, you, know, you know, and you make mistakes, and I get it, you know, there, there, there's a pride there, and there's respect there, and I understand right. where you're right. coming from, right, but like you said, we, you know, we are telling a, a, an imaginary story where, you know, where, where as, I think as long as the attempt to get it as close to possible is there, um, but, you know, that's that's not always good enough for some people, and I can understand right. that, that point of view, but, you know, we do take it seriously. I take it in, in particularly incredibly seriously, um, and, you know, we do try to get it right as much as, as possible, and, you know, we're not uh, we're not perfect, and we, we don't have the budget of a Michael Bay movie either, so... <laughs> Shots of the, and I'm like, I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, this, why? 
if anything, that person should know what you're going through because they're a lower budget. Yeah, they know how hard it is. Exactly. You know, and I mean, look, I, I, you make a really great point. Like, no one until you're living a filmmaking experience, you have no idea how impossible almost every day is, and what a miracle it is to get any film finished or greenlit or have the money to do it. And I know that's no excuse for making. Um, you know, perhaps a bad movie, but I'm like you. There's things to appreciate in every single movie, and this is the way that I see films because I know the actors, the directors, every nobody sets out to make a bad movie or make right, a exactly. You know, no one does that. No one does that at all. And, uh, and especially in a film, people that do films, especially independent and lower budget films, there is more passion and enthusiasm there because it, there has to be. There's there's no way any normal human being who didn't care could suffer the 20-hour days for an entire straight month doing this, and then the endless months to edit, finish, put it out there. It's um, it's a labor of love every single time, so it feels kind of doubly, doubly kind of gnarly that people can, can rip it apart so easily and just find, you know, the, the bad things about stuff because, you know, the intentions are always good, I believe. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, I'm 47 years old, so I, like, you know, I grew up during the 80s, which I think was one of the greatest times to be an action movie lover, and the 90s, because oh, you yeah. had the VHS movie going on. But it's like, my wife's younger than I am, and sometimes I try to show her my, the films, like, I grew up watching, and she's like, what the hell is this? I'm like, you just don't understand. <laughs> it's like, like I, I showed her, like, I don't know if you ever saw the, uh, the film Avenging Force with Michael Dudikoff. Did you ever see that one? I don't think I saw that one, no. Okay, but it's, it, it, like, it's total 80s. I mean, if you watch it now, it's dated. I mean, it was made in the 80s. But it's like a phenomenal action movie. And she just, she fell asleep. I'm like, how could you fall asleep in the movie? <laughs> so, but I'm getting off track. I'm sorry. But, yeah. but yeah, so I just wanted to say, like, you know, what I do my review, and that's why... Well, I started my website because I was like, you know what, I can do this, and I want to help promote. And I do the I do the reviews, and, and I promote the bigger movies, but they don't need my help. And plus, I'm a little little website. I'm like, it's you guys that I enjoy helping and getting the word out there and stuff like that. That's what makes it fun, you know. Yeah, and we appreciate it, you know, because it's it's. I I have found, and I'm sure people will criticize and leave bad reviews and hold this, you know, to a hundred million dollars. <laughs> Sniper movies and people who love the sniper movies, they 
in turn gone and started playing Call of Duty. So it's been really, really cool right. um, to have these projects fire on all cylinders uh, during these uh, challenging times. Absolutely. Now, I won't keep you for much longer here. I really appreciate this. Like I said, the, the, like with Zoom, I mean, this, this, this is a great way like to, you know, to get interviews out there and stuff like that. Um, now, what I, all, another thing I want to talk about, like obviously like with, with the COVID-19 thing going on, all these big budget movies have been delayed, you know, months and some for like over a year. Hey, you're back. All right. <laughs> so uh, um, I think it actually this works. I mean, not that, you know, you want a virus to like run rampant around the world, but I think like with the bigger budget movies, like having to take a detour and like delay themselves, this is helping the smaller film market because people still want to watch movies and with those movies not coming out you guys are still releasing movies on digital and video on demand and stuff like that so i think am i wrong is this like this this would be helping like like the smaller film market i gotta be honest um you know call of duty was doing just fine commercially before this quarantine but they've seen their their numbers go up even more exponentially because of people have the time and they 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 have forced to kind of stay at home and, and to consume content that they normally wouldn't have time to do it. And I think hopefully our, our movie gets the benefit of that too. It's really great timing in terms of that, you know, people looking for entertainment, you know. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world and it's, it, it can be really uncomfortable. And, um, you know, you can feel like your own livelihood's in danger with the virus and everything else. So people want to turn to art, to entertainment, to find that comfort, even if it's just for an evening in, in that way. So... I, I, I do think it's good. I do think it's good for the uh, movies like ours that are available with a click of a button where you don't have to get in the car and, and pay 15 bucks for popcorn and whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> It'd be fun to watch on things so you don't get me wrong, but I love that people can just two-day order it on Amazon or they can one-click order it on iTunes and just watch it right from the comfort of home. They'll still get the same great experience. Absolutely. Now, let, let's go back to Sniper real quick. And uh, now... Obviously, hopefully, the, the, like we get to see Brandon Beckett again. I mean, I, I would like watch another ten movies because, like, every time I see, like, this one kind of, it came out of the blue. I was taken by surprise. All of a sudden, I was on Facebook and I was like, "What the hell?" I was like, "It's a trailer," and I'm like, "I don't even know what's happening." It wasn't even on the IMDb yet. Right. No, this one was. Um, you know, we shot it last fall, and um, you know, I'm always kind of uh, held in check and under wraps until they they are ready to really get marketing machine going for them so um, when they dropped the trailer about a month ago I was like here we go this is actually going to be a really nice surprise for everybody because no one's going to see it coming and, and we've been dark for you know two and a half three years I'm not going to lie I thought I thought that was the last movie yeah yes, but I, I was actually going to mention it be like hey hey Chad yeah something else coming like, you know, so I was actually like I said I was worried I was worried Call me for the inside info I got you um <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I have been excited because I've been sitting on the secret, and um, I knew when they, when they were good and ready, we, it would be a nice, nice thing for... But I, that was a cool way to go, though, to just like have it like all of a sudden be like, you know, boom, here's here's the trailer, everybody comes out in a month. <laughs> I love that they timed it to Father's Day, you know, this is, it's, it's not a traditional father-son movie, like drama, it's an action movie, but there are the moments there that, like I said before, harken to the original... Um, star of the franchise, Tom Berenger, and, and me, who's carried the baton or the, the long gun now for the last five movies. So it, I think it's really nice and really cool thing to do by, by releasing it around Father's Day. Absolutely. And that plays yeah. a big, as you know, it plays a big theme in our, in our movie here. 
Absolutely. Now, um, obviously, hopefully there is more adventures. Now, where would you like to see Brandon Beckett go from here? I mean, you, you, you've done a lot so far in these five films. So, so what do you think is left for him to explore or to, to encounter? You know, I, without getting too political, because I don't, I don't really play in politics. I just, you know, I, I find that you probably do that, you know, things are very negative and there's, there's a lot of closed minds and stuff. Yes. But, I, you know, I do my own thinking. I have my own thoughts. And what I find interesting in the news today is this rise of, um, you know, this, this nationalism and, you know, this, this concept that's being discussed about domestic terrorists uh, that we're taking a look at for the first time. And I'm like, wow, I think Brandon is patriotic as he is. You know, fo- the focus has been an international terrorist at times and whatever else. It wouldn't be interesting if he kind of took up the, the fight against people who are trying to, to rip apart the country from the inside, you know, with their, their own agendas in that way. So, um, you know, I, I hope that nothing happens in real life where art has to imitate life or, you know, we are imitating something that, that goes down in a tragic way. But I do think it's, it's, it's an avenue we haven't explored as much in the Sniper franchise. And I think that would be kind of a cause that would be close to uh, Brandon's heart and, and, and soul. And um, it required his skill set one day, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. Well, here's the thing: that would, you see, you brought up CNC, you just went into my wheelhouse because I think it would be kind of cool, like if you had like a like a war thing going on, like in, in a city, like in an American city, like it was like you know urban warfare, you know, and you're like in, you know not that you, like you kind of had it like in like Bulgaria, like in, in those type kind of war torn cities and stuff like that, but like right. in an American city. You know, where like you say, domestic terrorists like take something over or something. That 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 would be a cool video. That would be cool. And you know what I what I loved actually about Ultimate Kill was you know we were in the mean streets of Bogota, Colombia for a lot of that, and that had a gritty urban feel to a lot of the scenes. Right. Yeah. Thought, that, yes, it did. It did. Yeah, and I thought that that was um, something new, new and different, really, that we hadn't done before up until then. So I love taking it one step further. You know, what if something terrible happens on our own soil in some major city, you know, that's, that is certainly something interesting to explore, and it could be, uh, you know, yet again, a different situation that Brandon, Brandon finds himself in that, that hasn't been uh, faced with before. Absolutely. Now, and also, I, I, I would kind of like to see, like, go in the direction, like, you, like you, where, like, these new characters were introduced in this movie, where, like, you kind of form, like, this, like, new type of team, you know, and stuff like that, that that'd be kind of cool, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they, they certainly set it up that way, and I, I think they do a good job of leaving the door open with almost all the movies um, of, of potentially bringing back new characters. You know, we had the wonderful Denai Garcia, who's played Kate Estrada in our last film, and Mercedes Mason, who was in Legacy, and you know, we've had a, we've had a revolving door of really great actors to kind of come in and play leads, um, and not, not a lot of them have come back around. But right. I love that the door is open because you never know, and. Look, I wouldn't be mad if Ryan Roberts and Sayaka came back for another one. I thought they're both phenomenal actors and just good human beings, and uh, we can't put a price tag on that. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what plans they have. Well, that'd be kind of cool too. Like if you had like the, the two from this movie, then like if you got like like a, like a like a bunch of other characters from other movies, and then just had like a mini reunion, like like in a movie, like type of thing. That'd be kind of cool. I love them all, so I say bring them all back. You know, let's have a let's have a big ensemble. Obviously, like you know, like much, not much has been going on Hollywood-wise now. Is there anything amping up for you? I mean, is there anything that you, that you can talk about or anything on the horizon? Um, yeah, I mean, we've been dark, you know, for four months here. The, the entertainment industry was one of the first ones to really shut down, and 
I think they're going to be, you know, the slowest to get back going, which is definitely uh, makes it a challenging time for actors, filmmakers, everything else. Because, you know, by nature of what we do, we have to have proximity. You know, we, we, we can't film with a mask on. No, I can't. Filming some virus movie, you know. Right, right, right. And, um, and I'm sure the market's going to be flooded with virus movies after all this. Oh, absolutely. Um, so we don't need sniper, you know, virus attack. We don't right. need that one. Um, they'll already beat us to the punch. So, so for that reason, you know, I'm really curious to see what happens next. And and um, you know, I'm kind of on the lookout. I've got a couple. I've got a sci-fi action film that I co-wrote that I am currently shopping around. That's gotten some interest. I'm working on a television show that has to do with like uh, werewolves, like almost an action kind of comedy werewolf uh, supernatural type show, oh. which is getting a lot of great traction as well. So this quarantine time has been really nice to throw some energy into the projects that I love that are starring vehicles for me so that I can learn more filmmaking, producing, uh, and, and creating my own vehicles in that way. But, you know, barring that, I like being surprised about what the next project's going to be, and I, you know, I certainly knock on wood hope that we we do another sniper movie sooner rather than later, and and that Call of Duty comes back around because we call <laughs> down the road too. Now that brings up a good point, like you said about the filming. And now, do you see yourself at, like maybe one day in the future, like being behind the camera? I don't know. I I feel like I still have so much to learn about filmmaking overall, and I feel like directors um, kind of have to know a little bit about everything at the very least, and then of course be a great director uh, on top of it all. So. I feel like the more opportunities I get to produce, that allows me to be more hands-on to learn every aspect of filmmaking, um, especially from conception all the way to distribution and getting it out there. And um, that, that's kind of the path that I'll take. You know, I was really happy with uh, the opportunity to kind of co-write this sci-fi action script because uh, I really hope this gets made soon because I think you'll love it with your penchant for 80s movies. We definitely made an 80s throwback sci-fi action film because I grew up in that, that decade too and I have fond memories of those movies and I really wanted it to be fun on every level like those movies are and so I'm really, really hoping we get some traction on that uh, sooner than later because I think audiences are going to lose it. <laughs> well, well, that's cool. Like, like you said that because like, like obviously Brandon Beckett's a big thing for you, you know, and like a big franchise for you, but it is cool to see like do other things and, and, and like, you know, play other characters and stuff like that. So, so, so that's why when High Moon come out, that, that, cause that was totally different from yeah. Brandon Beckett. So that was a thrill to see you do that movie. Um, so like, how, how was that for you in a, as, a, as an experience? I mean, I know we I did an inter, uh, interview with you for that movie, but just talk real quick sure. before we wrap up. And yeah, so is there a possibility where, where that might come back? Right. Well, last, um, just for your audiences, um, last summer I did an action horror western movie called High Moon, very independent, very uh, much lower budget. Shot it in Texas. It was a lot of fun. I played kind of a, an undead gunslinger, you know, hunting down werewolves that were ripping apart. Uh, a small town, and that was great. Sean Patrick Flannery was in it. Josh Ridgway, my good friend, uh, wrote and directed it. Uh, there's no plans yet for uh, a sequel or a prequel, um, but it was such a blast to do. And I, 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 man, I would be upset if we did more, you know. And I think the door was left open for for a lot more in that way. But you know, to answer your larger question, I love the opportunity to go and try completely different 180 type of role on Versailles. I got to do that with Creepshow, which just had a nice season one re-air on AMC. Um, that was a blast and a total departure of the character that I've ever really played before, at least for people who watch sniper movies 
do love the opportunity to kind of, you know, be a chameleon as an actor and try something different. Now, now, would you ever, now, would you, would you ever want to like do like a, like a full blown? Com- I mean, like I like like would you like like a slapstick type of comedy or like you know try to try? Do, do, do you think you, you have what it takes to like be one of those type of movies? Yeah, I mean, I've been really lucky to be able to do a bunch of rom coms, you know, and holiday movie rom coms. Right. Yeah. But I'm talking like you know, kind of, kind of like you know, like like real, real, like like out there, like type of comedies. Like The Hangover, like real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, or like, or yeah, exactly. Uh, dare I say, like the airplane movies or stuff like that. Oh yeah. Like not rom com, but like that's totally off the wall. Oh man, I I mean. Spaceballs, airplane, yeah, you know, absolutely. That stuff, I would, I would jump at the chance. Um, I, I think I would be able to hold my own because in real life, most people don't know this about me, but I'm a total clown, man. Like I'm just all about absurd humor and just, it, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I would just really enjoy being on a set like that and the opportunity to kind of improv and tap into my inner goofball because it's so alive and well in my real life that it would just be pure joy on set every day. Now, real quick, and I am going to let you go, I promise, but this is just a great <laughs> conversation. Like I said, this is the first time that we're talking, and so I, know. I, have, I have to get out there. Now, I know, because like, I was I was born in 72, and Star Wars came out in 77. I was there with my dad opening weekend. I know you're a big Star Wars fan. Kind of give me, like from one Star Wars fan to another, kind of give me your interpretation, like, because it's been taking a hit lately, especially like with the Disney films and stuff like that. There's been a lot of a lot of criticism. Like, like tell me, tell your, tell me about your thoughts about you know being a big Star Wars fan, like, like, like what Disney's done with it, and and, and what your your interpretation is. Yeah, I, I've, I'll be honest, I got so crazy with filming Sniper and then promoting Call of Duty and then the holidays hit. I have not even seen the last Star Wars movie that was out. In December, and that's okay. my bad. I missed my window, um, so now I have to go and get like the, the you know DVD or the Blu-ray or the digital download. But I, the way you were talking earlier about like not being a critic of lower-budget action movies, you understand that you know, and you keep it positive and you look for the good things in them. That's exactly the way I feel about Star Wars. I I'm not <laughs> such a I'm not such a huge fan of Star Wars that I can find things so wrong with it. I actually enjoy them for what they are every single time. I'm always thoroughly entertained, and I, I have much love for the, the you know the, the the trilogies and the late '70s and early '80s. And then I I even watch the Phantom Menace stuff, and I'm like, that's fine. And then I you know I really love the J.J. Abrams new stuff. Like I I love it all. I love Rogue One. Like I I really think it's fun. I just think more Star Wars is always a good thing. Right. I watch exactly. Mandalorian. You know, and and I enjoyed the Mandalorian for what it was. So oh, that was phenomenal. Oh, Star Wars is one of these things where I will always like them and appreciate them, and I will almost probably never criticize them because I just think they're so enjoyable and they're they're just part of our they're, they're part of our collective consciousness now. They're part of our vernacular to kind of rip that stuff apart. Just feel like it's like too sacred. Like it doesn't feel right to tear apart something that has brought so many people together and so much joy. You know. Now I'm, I'm going to let you go here in a few minutes, but I just want to ask you one more question. Now growing up. What was the film that had the biggest impact on you? Oh, that's easy. Um, that's easy, and I can show you a visual that the podcast listeners will not get the benefit of. But ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding a, uh, a William Wallace um, Braveheart, Braveheart yep. Funko yep. Pop figure that sits over my, my computer every single day. So Braveheart would be hands down. I'll tell you a funny story about 
there because I went to see that in the theaters with my with, with my dad when when it came out. And I, I'll tell you the truth, like like I I, I knew it was, it was a true story, but like I like with at the end, obviously I'm not spoiling it because obviously this movie's been out for years. You haven't seen it by now. Just go he doesn't make it. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't make it out of the, out of it. But right. I remember when it was happening, and, and I, I'm watching the movie, and I thought that like you know somewhere somebody's gonna either rescue him or he's gonna you know do his best best Mad Max interpretation and bring it, and he, he dies, and I'm like, oh, he's not gonna get away. And my dad's like, you know, it's based on a true story, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you no, know, that's the good guy. Yeah, it was a little brutal at the end, right? Um, I always get mad when the like when like the the, the hero dies. Like I don't want my heroes to die. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm old fashioned, you know. It's I, like when, like if it, unless it happens in a really good way or really like you know like awesome like blaze of glory kind of way, I'm okay with that kind of. But it's like I need my heroes to like. Yeah, you know, if you take on the Death Star, but you have to be a kamikaze to do it, that's okay. Right. You know, at least William Wallace, you know, launched an uprising to, to win the people's freedom. So that was kind of good. That was like killing the Death Star a little bit. Absolutely. I know. I, I, I remember to, to this day, I laugh about it. And it's like, and I research on it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's what happened. Okay, all right. Well, cool. <laughs> so, all right, Chad, that, that's what I have for you today. So I, I, I thank you so much. Like I said, this has been great to finally meet face to face and, and do some chatting and I can't wait to do it again in the future yeah John it's always nice to, to chat with you and, and thank you for being such a friend of the franchise and supporting it all and always with a great attitude and, and, and a lot of kindness and grace and I, I you know that stuff makes the world go round that's how I like to look at movies and films and filmmakers because you know they are labors of love so it's really easy for someone to type from a keyboard bad things Right. Let me just tell you this because this, because we got history. I, you know, we, you and I we have some history because I remember like 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 years ago because I've been doing my voice for about five years and I was and I was like, how am I getting like get noticed and stuff like that? And there was a little movie that come, come, came out called Daylight's End, and I did a review for that movie. Somebody saw it, like Chad Law saw it, Johnny Strong saw it, and everybody started sharing my review. And I was like, holy cow, what's going on right now? And then all these people start coming in. And that's how you contacted me. I, rem- I remember it to this day, you sent me an email, and I was like, whoa. And you were like, hey. And I was like, you know, I, I really have that film to kind of really owe, like, what's happening now with, with my website because like without that movie like it, 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 I don't think any of this would have happened so and well, I think it's, reaching out you were my second interview Chad Law was my first interview and I'll remember right. to this day we did it on messenger and then you you contacted me because it was funny because it was like the two Chads you know I did Chad Law then I did you and it was like and then Chad Law was like hey why don't you interview somebody that's not named Chad I'm like I'm sorry <laughs> But you're, you're my second interview, and I'll never forget it because you 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 you, you didn't see me as some like new guy or like some small fish in a big pond. That's that's what I love about you. you know? No, it's important, you know. And I mean, you offered something really nice. You know, it's hard to get publicity. It's hard to get eyes on independent films. It's 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 nice to have that support, and you know, and in turn, you want to support people who are building their own stuff, their own content, their own website and everything else. So everybody kind of wins from that place. And I, you know, I don't forget at all. You know, I came up from nothing as an actor. I've done a couple of things and I, you know, the Sniper franchise, you know, is still going strong. And now I'm in Call of Duty, which has been such a, such a blessing in my career. 
Yeah, but like I don't forget the people that showed me the the kindness or helped me promote a film that was important to me way back then when less people knew who I was. So, you know, I'll I'll say it now, man. No matter where my career goes from here, anytime you ever want to talk, you know, you've got my number, man. You've got my email, literally. <laughs> Absolutely, that's awesome, sir. Like I said, and I can't, and like I hope, like there's another, and even not even another sniper movie, but like with the sci-fi action, with anything. That you got coming down the line, I will. It, it, it's on my website, you know, 150 percent. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, I hope you have a good rest of the day um, and uh, stay safe. And I can't wait to talk to you again. You too, John. The pleasure is always, my man. All right, take it easy, sir. Okay. All right, have a good one. Bye bye. All right, there you go. Another exclusive interview with Chad Michael Collins for Sniper Assassin's End. If you haven't seen it yet, <clears throat> make sure you check it out. It's on Blu-ray, DVD, digital, and video on demand. Like I said, my review is up now on the website and other my other reviews with Chad also. So just just search for him on the website and he'll pop up and you'll you'll see all the content that I got on there. So this is John Jervis signing off for another episode of the Action Fix Podcast. Just telling everybody to be safe, have fun, and help promote independent action cinema. That's all I got to say. Until next time, I got a lot more interviews coming down the line. So really excited. So I'm glad you guys are all on board with me for this. And uh, I'll talk to you again in the future. Have a great day.